I have about 10 hours worth of things that I have to try to fit in this morning. Since we only have three Sundays in this series, but I'm going to do the best that I can. I want to try to bring you up to date on this series. Many of you are here today for the first time. We started a series three weeks ago entitled How to Stay Straight in a Crooked World. And basically the reason I started this series is because in my conversations with different ones of you here that come to Evergreen, and as I observe the world we live in, it's very difficult to do what's right in the world we live in. Actually, it's very difficult to know what's right in the world we live in. We live in a very gray zone. If I was going to describe our society today morally and ethically, I would say it's gray at best, very fuzzy, very hazy. People really aren't sure today what is right and what is wrong. We call that moral relativism. We live in a time where everything is relative. It just depends upon you to make up your own rules and make up your own laws and guidelines as you go along. That sort of a value system has put us in quite a mess today. In relationships, in business, in the medical field, almost every aspect of life, in the family, in our schools, because everything's really relative. No one really knows what is right or what is wrong. But as we looked at the first Sunday, God's Word tells us that His Word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. It shows us the way we ought to go in a crooked world. Jesus Himself told His disciples and the people that He talked to some 2,000 years ago that you live in a crooked and perverted generation. He was referring to mankind and, and face it, we are a crooked society. We're going to talk about some of those examples this morning, just in case you remain unconvinced. I'll give you some examples. But we need some sense of guideline in which we live. I believe the Bible is the best and most secure guideline for your living. It was written by God to give you a successful life. To give you a successful life in your business life, in your family life, in your relationships, in your personal life. Everything God said was for our benefit. The first two things we talked about on the first Sunday that God wanted us to think straight in and live straight in is number one, hard work pays off. We live in a society today that expects everything to be given to them on a silver platter. The only time that you hear about hard work usually and discipline is during March Madness when you're watching the NCAA tournaments. And they talk about an athlete and his hard work. And we all look at that and we admire that and think that's great. But when was the last time you worked as hard as they did to get where they are on your job? When was the last time we sweated, we toiled privately? I remember one particular player just a couple years ago for Indiana. His name was Alfred. His last name was Alfred. I don't remember his first name. But he would go out every night and he would shoot baskets, and he'd shoot baskets, shoot baskets until he could, with the right amount of spin, flip the net and hang it on the rim. He'd never go in. His girlfriend would come over and she'd have to wait hours till he'd finally do it. He'd be doing it out in the rain. He'd be doing it in the snow. Of course, today he plays in the NBA. We admire people for that, except we don't promote that kind of a mentality. In fact, I remember when I'd go make sales calls different places, guys would say as I would leave, don't work too hard. Don't work too hard. That's the society we live in. Just do enough to get by. We've really come to that conclusion that we're owed everything. That life owes us something. 
and that hey, whether I work hard or not, it doesn't matter. In fact, I don't know if you realize this, but we are living in the past 50 years, more and more, we are turning towards a socialistic mentality in society. That everybody deserves the same things, whether they have good character, they work hard or not. Everyone ought to have the same economic monies available to them. Quite frankly, that's not biblical. God created all men in one sense equal to another man we all, and another woman. We all have different talents. We all have different gifts. But you ought to be rewarded for what you do for your talents and what you do with your gifts. And laziness should not be rewarded. Hard work, the Bible says, brings prosperity. Hard work brings success. I cannot share that with you enough. That working hard will pay off. It's just a matter of time. And we ought to go to our jobs every day. We ought to go about our life every day with a sense of discipline and a sense of diligence about what we're doing. Looking for the future. Why? Because we want to stay straight in a crooked world. Everyone else is trying to take two-hour lunch hours. Everyone else is trying to skimp on this and skimp on that. And we ought to stand out as lights in a crooked world. Secondly, we talked about grumbling and complaining. We live in a negative world. And it's amazing how negative. All of a sudden, you watch the news lately. The war is over now, but we're in some tough economic times. Really? I hadn't noticed. I don't know about you, but, but I just love the way the newscasters bring us all down. I mean, my goodness, when was the last time you had to ride in the rain in a horse and buggy? You know, I mean, how do you go out and warm up the buggy? Before we have to go to go to, I remember my father. You know, used to have to keep warm as a kid with potatoes in his pockets. My father lived during the depression, and he and his brothers used to go down to the cars in the railroad and sweep out the grain and the corn and bring it home and make something with it to eat. I mean, we have got it so good. We, most of us here have a car. Most of us, the heater works. Most of us have an air conditioner. We have a home that we can go to. I mean, hey, I really quite frankly haven't noticed that gas went up 20 cents compared to some places that are paying $5 a gallon in the world we live in. It's rough, isn't it? It's really tough. And yet that permeates our society. Things are bad. Things are tough. My job is so terrible. My life is so bad. God tells us, in everything give thanks. God's given us everything that we enjoy. He's given us our health. He's given us, we all look at one another. He's given us our eyes. He's given us the relationships that we enjoy. We like to blame God for so many things that aren't His fault at all. They're ours. In fact, there's a proverb that says this, A man's own foolishness may ruin his chances, but in his heart he rages against God. You ever find people, they'll say this, if God is so great, how come He allows so much pain in the world? As if God caused it. Why don't you look in the mirror, then you'll have the answer as to why there's so much pain in the world. Because we live in a crooked world. Because as a people and as a human race, we do not tend towards staying on the straight and narrow that God intended. We tend to veer off to the right and to the left and we hurt people, and we take advantage of people, and we grumble, and we gripe, and our lives are so gloomy. God has given us such a wonderful life. We have so much to be thankful for this morning. 
We have so much. We have a place here to meet. It's out of the rain. Nobody's going to come and arrest us afterwards for being here. We have an awful lot to be thankful. And you know, you almost look at it as an oddball to think that way today. You really are. You act this way at work and people are going to go, what is with your smile, you know? Now, I've had people ask me, I kid you not, I have had, I, I smile a lot. I get down sometimes too, but I smile a lot. I know I went into a restaurant one time, I was with my wife and some friends, and I was just enjoying life, and the waitress asked me, are you drunk? <laughs> oh, I'm so drunk. I'm drunk on life. I'm drunk on God. What do you, what do you mean am I drunk? You ever seen anybody happy before? I said, no, not really. Only people I've ever seen act like this is they're drunk. Or they're stoned. You know, you wonder that. Somebody walks in the room with a smile on their face and you wonder, God, I wonder what they've been up to. <laughs> you know? Well, I wonder what's going on with them. It's just kind of weird to be happy, isn't it? But I'll tell you, it's a great life. It's a great life that God has given us. We're blessed. And we may be going through difficult times in one way or another. But when you put life into perspective... With the rest of the world. In fact, when I put life in perspective what my parents went through, I'm so thankful for what God has given me today. That's how God wants us to live life. Then last week we talked about integrity and morality. Real popular subject, I might add. Real popular. Real controversial. A woman called me on the phone and told me, you know, Mark, she said, I was listening to a program the other day. And they were naming some of the top subjects in America that pastors won't touch. And she said, one of the first ones on the list was morality and immorality. And you talked about it. I said, oh, you noticed. <laughs> That's great. I said, I'm glad. I'm glad. Uh, first of all, we talked about integrity and the importance of doing what is right. Integrity is, it simply means you're undivided. You're not two-faced. You try to live privately the way you live publicly and you live publicly the way you live privately as a person of integrity. We look at Proverbs. Proverbs says the man or woman of integrity walks securely, but the crooked walks a thorny path. It pays off to be a person of integrity. It pays off to be a person who stands tall for what they believe. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be popular, by the way. That doesn't necessarily mean that everyone's going to like you. What I said, though, was this. Lest there be any misunderstanding. That integrity will pay off. That integrity will pay off because God honors integrity. Sometimes we think the world calls the shots. The world doesn't call the shots in my life. God has called the shots in my life. And what He's looking for is faithfulness in your life. Faithfulness in the little, tough choices that you have to make every single day of your life to be a person that's honest, a person that's truthful, a person of integrity. And other people, they may laugh at you. Jesus said they would. Other people may hate you. They hated our Lord. And He said that would happen too. But He also said this, those who honor Me, I will honor. And those who trust Me and respect Me will never be disappointed. God will always keep His word. And we talked about morality and immorality. And I simply stated to make it very simple and very plain and very clear that sex outside of marriage is wrong. We have veered off this path and have taken a devastating course today in America. An absolutely devastating path. And I shared this with you and I share this today because I believe it with all my heart as I've observed life, as I've studied, as I've read reports. 
You put drugs and alcohol together and they do not compare to the devastation that our immorality has brought upon our society. It has caused divorce. It has ruined children. It has been at the foundation stone of rape and incest. It has degraded women and it has turned men in the last 25 years into moral perverts. In, in different respects. Someone told me, Mark, you're such a simpleton. After I shared this, you're so simplistic. I mean, they are so simplistic. We live in a very complex world. I said, really? Do we? Was our, are we more complex as human beings than the disciples were? Tell me, are we more complex than people were 2,000 years? People are people. Got the same needs, don't they? Same needs for self-esteem, for love to be cared about, same sexual needs, same hunger needs. Well, yes, but we live in a changing world, in an evolving society. And I mean, Mark, people don't just go on and just have sex. To have sex, they're looking for love. They're looking for self-esteem. They have needs. And I said, well, you know, that's true. That wasn't my particular topic last Sunday. I've talked about self-esteem before. You're right about that. I said, but let me tell you where your philosophy takes us. Gee, I'm really hungry. And so I just had to hold up that liquor store. Because, well, I'm starving. And I need some food. And so, well, I don't care if it wasn't my money. I just had to take it. Well, I got really mad at that person. And I felt this need inside, well, to kill him. So I killed him. Do you know if you listen to interviews of convicts on television, they don't even believe they did anything wrong. We live in a day and age that legitimizes being crooked. We all have a reason and a justification for doing the wrong thing. That's the beauty of America, isn't it? Well, it's not wrong. It's relative. It, I needed to do it at the time. You remember the song? I remember the song in high school. Me and Mrs. Mrs. Jones. Mrs. Jones. Mrs. Jones. Mrs. Jones. We got a thing going on. We both know that it's wrong, but it's much too strong to let it go. We, you know, we, we meet at the same place, hope nobody sees. Oh my God, what kind of garbage is that? She's married, I'm married, we know it's wrong, but it's too strong, so we got to do it. I'm telling you, men and women, have we become so stupid, so ignorant, that we don't understand where this philosophy is taking us. We have to lock our cars, lock our doors, get burglar alarm systems because we no longer live in a society that governs itself by any sort of morality or laws. And then we want Big Brother to protect us all the time. And the government gets more involved. The government gets more involved. You know why? Because we don't want responsibility for our actions anymore. We don't want responsibility. We like being irresponsible. We like simply shrugging off our shoulders from any type of moral obligation or responsibility. And it has devastated our world. We've only, only in the last 20 years has the divorce rate gone from hardly at all to 50%. Only in the last 25 to 30 years has rate just skyrocketed. And the abuse we see in the family and the abuse of children... And now, every time you turn on the television, no matter what, what's going to be advertised, it's advertised in some sleazy, sensual way. 
I was watching commercial, watching the game actually, basketball game, the commercial comes on, they're advertising the beaches. They're talking about the beaches for, except there was no beach, there was a girl, almost nude, on the beach. Come enjoy our beaches. That's not what you're saying. You're kind of saying, come enjoy our women. Let's be honest about what these commercials are telling us. And so we wonder, where has our society come? And I shared with you last week that the only way that we can possibly avoid this kind of a lifestyle is to respect God enough that we do what He says. It's interesting to me as I've thought about different people. I, I've thought about Bella Caroli. He's a guy, he's a gymnastics trainer. He came here from, uh, I think it was uh, Hungary or, or uh, I forget where. But anyway, he's over here now and he trains all of our female gymnasts. And all these young women, what they do, basically if I can just be really frank and blunt, is they put themselves into slavery. They leave their families and they come down and he coaches them eight hours a day and they are absolutely required to do what he says. But of course, see, that's okay because they're going to be champions. We all think, well, that's okay because you're going to get a gold medal. Hey, so, so are you and I from God. So are you and I from God. And He's a lot more loving than any human being ever thought about being. Everything God asks us to do is for our good, is for our benefit, for our success. But we wonder sometimes, will it pay off? Will it really pay off? I was sharing with an individual who came up to me after uh, the message last week and, and again was telling me, Mark, you're a simpleton. I mean, that's so simplistic. You're telling people that... You're, you're asking people to be a Daniel or a, or a David or a, or a Joseph. And I said... That's right, you got the point. And people aren't that strong. They can't do that. You can ask people to do that. I mean, you know, not everybody can go out and do that. Really, why? Why not? As the song Jay sang this morning says, Keep our eyes in Jesus. The Bible tells us in Hebrews, Since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, to throw off every encumbrance and the crookedness that so easily entangles our feet and run with endurance the race that's before us by fixing our eyes on Jesus because He is the author and perfecter of our faith and He gives us strength. He is the source of our strength. He was saying, you know, it's Miramark, it's so easy for you to say that because you're a pastor. I said, oh really, it's easy for me to say that. I said, do you know how many pastors won't say what I said this Sunday? No. He said, no, I said, a lot of them won't. I told him this statistic. I said, do you realize in many churches I get fired after a message like this? It's like, hey man, you can't say that kind of stuff. And the board would get together, go, well, you've been a nice pastor. It's time for you to move on. <laughs> That's why at Evergreen we don't have a board, see? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, you've you got to come back because you like it, and if you don't like it, well, it's your, your opportunity not to come back. That's okay. It's a free country. It's, you know. But I realize I stick my neck on the chopping block all the time. Someone can hack at it. You know, it's God's head. I've determined in my life that I'm going to stand up for truth. Because I believe that truth is what you really long for. Truth is what a person, if you really love someone, you'll be honest with them. Because you'll want them to be successful. That's all I want. I care about you. I don't say this stuff for fun. I don't say it's for my own help. I say it because it has changed my life and I know they can change yours and I care about you. God cares about you. I want to just share with you a little story. That's a really a kind of a long story, but I know you'll bear with me. <laughs> sometimes people look at me and they it's easy sometimes, you know, 
A lot of people get life on a silver platter. Life never came to me on a silver platter. Uh, a lot of guys, you know, they go through college, they, they graduate, get a little sheepskin, and bing, they're a pastor. It didn't happen that way for me. My life's goal was for the last 16 years to, to be a pastor. I wanted to be a pastor. That's what I wanted to do because I wanted to help people. If you think it's easy, well, you can ride around with me sometime. If you think it's a slough-off job, well, we can talk sometime about that. I didn't get into it because I thought it was easy. I got into it because I really cared, because I believed I could make a difference in people's lives. And so, I remember when I first got married. Well, this is before I got married. I moved to Ames, Iowa. This has been many, many years ago as a young man. And I had been a machinist. That's, uh, that's the only trade I had. I'd been a machinist. And uh, I moved to this city because I wanted to get involved in this church to grow. God tells us to be in fellowship with other believers who really love Him. And that's what I wanted. So I found out about this church. I believed I could really grow. There was leaders there that I could really respect that could build my life. So I moved. And for months and months, I couldn't find a job. I couldn't find a machinist job. I just did manpower jobs. I remember lifting bags of fertilizer feed and going down in this pit, kind of this slop pit, and I slopped hogs for it, whatever you call it. I call it slopping hogs. Don't glorify pig farming, man. It's terrible. It's, uh, the pigs are unbelievable, you know. At least it could have been a rancher or something, but pigs... Oh, I like to eat them, but I hate to feed them. You know, it's, it's really bad. It's just no fun. And I drywalled. Uh, you know, and I don't exactly have the body for drywalling. I don't know if you know what drywalling is, but that's the boards that's on the inside of your house. And what you have to do to put them on the ceiling is you stand on this little ledge that you, and you, you put it up on your head. You push up with your... See, I'm short. So you, it's always on your toes. And then if you're real strong, you just push the nail through the paper and then you just... You pound upside down. It's always upside down. And you whack and the nail's in. I could never quite get that. About one and a half whacks usually. Bing, bing. It was in. That's a lie. But, and then anyway, I always tell you if it's a lie, see. You always count on that. So anyway, I'm doing all these things and then, then God, you know, I, I got married and, uh, and I, you know, was still looking around to try to get a machinist job and just couldn't do it. So, there was this opening at this Ramada Inn for a, uh, Basically, I guess you call it a servant boy. My job was picking up cigarette butts in the parking lot. But there was opportunities for advancement there. Okay? There were advancement opportunities, see? And one thing my parents taught me was to work hard, see? So I was buying my own clothes from the time I was 13, 12 or 13, had a job. So I just, well, okay, this is what I can do. So I'm out picking up cigarette butts and I tried to do a really good job. Because you see, I, I knew some of the verses we talk about now, I knew them then. Like, do all your work hardly as unto the Lord, for He sees these cigarette butts, Mark. Don't leave one. And I remember so many times, you know, I go, oh, forget the butt. You know, forget that cigarette butt. Forget that straw. I picked up a whole bag full already. But no, no, the Lord sees that straw. So I pick up that straw and I put it in. I didn't do it every time, but, but I, I, I did. Finally, one day, the, it was, I was getting close to getting married. And my boss knew I was getting married because I invited him. He says, boy, Mark, getting married, you know, you got a little more responsibility. We better find something else for you on here. I said, yeah, that would be real nice. Yeah. So he said, well, how about uh, we got an opening for a grill cook? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I never cooked before. In fact, I hate cooking. See, I, I want to tell you, I was raised that cooking was not something men did. I won't put it the other way. But it was just something that men didn't do. 
So uh, I never got into cooking, and I didn't like touching dead chickens. You know what it's like. You know, it's kind of... I didn't like that. So anyway, uh, he said, well, we got an opening. It pays $2 more an hour. Oh, that's great! And it starts at 5.30 in the morning. Oh, man, a lot. 5.30. Now, I'm not that kind of a person, you know. 5.30 in the morning is not my bag. I thought about my wife. I thought about her future. I didn't have too long. I had to think. I said, I'll take it. That means I had to get up at 4.30 in the morning. Now, that's really bad. 4.30 in the morning. Now, I'd be headed for work, and I'd get there. And, and I remember shortly after I started, we had the NCAA wrestling tournaments in Ames. Fifty wrestlers walked into the restaurant. I'm the only cook. Fifty huge wrestlers walked in. They all wanted fed now. And eggs are breaking and I was throwing some against the wall out of frustration. Toast was burning. It was an unbelievable experience. But I persevered through it, stuck with it, learned how to cook. Well, then about three months later, you know, well, actually it was about three weeks later, my wife conceived after we were married. And that meant we were having a baby. That means, boy, i got to look for some more advancement, some more money. So uh, there was this opening at the sorority. My wife and I were told about for a cook. Now, that wasn't the kind of cooking we'd done. And I don't know about you, but trying to please 50 women all at the same time, that is really challenging, especially when it comes to food, okay? When it comes to food. Nothing else but food. Food's really a challenge. So my wife and I, we applied for the job. And I remember thinking one verse. I think, well, the Lord, the Lord says I can do all things through Christ who empowers me. Now, we've got to have this job. That's all there is to it. They're going to give us a place to live, our phone, washer and dryer, our food's paid for, and they're going to give us $480 a month. Now, in 1979, that was pretty nice, at least for me. Like I said, I didn't know what a silver spoon was in life. It was just better than where we were. So uh, I told the lady, I said, well, I'll tell you what. I can cook eggs and I can cook bacon and I can learn anything else in life I need to learn. My wife, she's a great baker and we love each other and we'll work really hard and I'm confident that we can do this job. Well, there was like, see, a $50,000 food budget that we had to oversee. I never, what's $50,000? I never heard of it or seen it before. We had, to, we had to make sure that you come out even at the end because the last cook went $10,000 in the hole and before the girls can go home for the summer, they have to pay for that. So they didn't want to have that happen again. And, and you had to do planning. You had to plan out menus. It's like, God, it's not my bag either. So uh, anyway, we got the job. And the first week's rush week. And oh my goodness, that means they have thousands of girls come through the house to see if they want, want to live there. My wife decides we should make fresh banana muffins. Now, you know, women are interesting when it comes to food. I'll tell you a little secret, guys. If you call cake muffins, they'll eat it. And if you call it cake, they won't. If you want to find out proof of this, go to Cucumbers in Edina. Orange marmalade muffins. Chocolate coated muffins. And man, my wife, we went there with some friends and they're eating up these muffins, you know. It's just wonderful. So my wife, she knew this. The girls really like muffins. So we're making all these muffins, see? And all these bananas and we're putting them in this big mixer. And it calls for, you know, I figured all you got to do is follow the directions. It calls for baking powder. I, I didn't notice any difference between baking soda and baking powder. No one ever told me that. So I just take the box down, measure it in, put it in, and the aroma of those bananas are filling the place and everybody's getting excited. And I got to try one. You know, we were going to wait. I decided to try one and I bit into it, started to spit, almost vomited. It was unbelievable. What happened to these muffins? 
My wife looks at me and says, what kind of baking stuff did you put in it? Well, I, I don't know. This box right here. That's baking soda. So we had to throw them all away and run to the store and get some muffins. But you know, we made it through that year. We made it through that year. We had our daughter there in the sorority. We were living there at the time. And when, when she was born. And, uh, but you know, everything didn't work out like I thought it would in my life. We got into debt. We didn't have insurance for our children. And our first child, we were thinking about having a home birth, see, because that had to save money. And my wife is in really good shape at the time. And we thought, hey, this would be no problem. We can do this, except she was a footling breech. Turns out not only she's a footling breech, but it's a cesarean. So, oh, great, $4,500. I don't have $4,500. So, I'm in debt. Driving this old car. But I kept remembering that God said, seek first my kingdom, Mark, and my righteousness and all these things will be added to you. In other words, Mark, stay straight. Live right. Do what's right with your life. And I'll honor you. Well, we went through that and then, then we, we got out of there at the, the end of the year and we ended up right on the budget just like we were supposed to. They wanted us back but our daughter was about, I don't know, four months old then. We didn't feel we should go back and live in that situation at that time. So we went and lived in this apartment. I went into business for myself with another guy and then the construction business went bad so our business, you know, we just didn't have any business. So we started another business trying to sell stuff and that didn't go good and that went bad. And then we moved in this big house with a couple friends and we had the top half, they had the real bottom half and then we shared the middle so we could save on rent. It's $190 a month rent. They decided they needed to move out. And all along, all through these times, my father, who used to at one time really live for Christ, really love God, would make fun of me. He'd say, Mark, man, manna don't, manna don't grow on trees. God don't rain down manna. You better start taking care of yourself, young man. You better start taking a serious look at life. You think you can just go through life like this and God's going to take care of you. You better start doing something. And I was doing something. I was working. But I was also staying true to what I knew was right and what God wanted me to do. Well, I'll never forget this. We came to a time when we had to leave this house. We had to move out. And we didn't really have a place to go. And uh, we were praying about what God would want us to do. And finally, we came to that that difficult conclusion that maybe we need to look at a trailer. Now that's really tough if you've ever lived in one, depending on what kind you've lived in. <laughs> the kind I lived in, it was tough. And um, I'll never forget this. We, we had one, I had one kind of worked out from a guy that I could buy on contract. And that Saturday morning that I was going to think about doing the deal, my father shows up the door. I hadn't seen him in six years. About 13 years ago, my father left my family. He just packed up his pickup truck. The kids stood at the window and he drove off and never came back. And he shows up at my door on this particular Saturday morning. He shows up and he saw what was going on and he just started railing on me. Mark, I mean, you know, God, you just, you've got to wake up and smell the rose. You've got to look out for number one first. That was his philosophy. So, well, Dad, I said, listen, I, that's what you've chosen, my friend. I will not choose that. I will not. God will take care of my wife and I, and He has to this point. It may not be that, you know, Taj Mahal, but God has taken care of us. I had to go away, and that afternoon he was sleeping on the couch, and the phone rang, and it was a guy I barely knew. When I got back, my dad said, you're supposed to give this guy a call on the phone. So I called him, and so it's this guy named Dale. He says, Mark, he says, have you decided on a trailer yet? I said, well, No. Well, sort of. 
He said, well, here's what I want to know. My wife and I just recently bought a double wide and we've got an empty one that we've been trying to sell for eight months. We can't sell it. Would you like it? He said, well, you mean would I like to rent it or buy it? No, I mean, would you like it? I mean, you mean you want to give it to me? That's what I mean. I want to give it to you. Do you want it? He said, you're kidding. You know, my, I get real excited. I'm not going to imitate that this morning, but, but I was younger then too, and I was jumping up and down the phone, and my daddy's sitting up. His eyes are huge. He said, you're kidding. You mean a house? You want to give me a house? He said, yeah, I want to give you a house. I said, of course, the only intelligent question you could ask is, can we see it first? Because I'm married. See, when you're married, you say those kind of things. Can I see it first? Sure. So I get off the phone and say, Dad, you know, you're not going to believe this, but this guy wants to give us a house. So why don't you come see it with us? So we got in the car. We went over to see a little little trailer, about 580 square feet. But it was it was nice. It was okay. Had a washer and dryer. None of the windows would open, but that's okay. It was it was the spring then. I didn't know how hot it would get. <laughs> and uh, the yard was about you know the other trailer was about from here to the speakers next to us, and the one behind us you could reach out the window and touch. But that's okay. Kept the rain out. So we said we'd take it. And it was only $75 a month, lot rent. Which means God gave me a $120 raise. Now some people go, yeah, God put me in a ghetto, man. I remember when, I, when we first got married, I asked my wife, Kathy, one question. Before, before you ever marry me, i got to know, are you willing to live in a cave? Because we might be. You know what I'm saying? I'm, saying, I'm just being honest with you. I may end up in China, and I may end up in Mongolia. I don't know where God's going to take me. All I'm asking you is, are you willing to pay the same price that I am to follow God. And I wasn't joking about it. And you saw this trailer, you'd know that. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, in the middle of winter, the furnace would go off because it'd be a downdraft and it'd take me an hour to light it. You'd wake up, you could see your breath. It was, it was just terrible. It was, but it was home. It was some of the best years of our life. I remember I carpeted the kids' carpet, their little room, with these samples I found in a dumpster one day. So I was making some calls. They throw all these new samples away. So I stapled them all down. We got carpet in. Isn't that beautiful? Carpet on the floor. You appreciate things like that. You know, see? I didn't just sort of graduate in this job. Life to me has not just been, you know, like, hey, you know, mom and dad gave me $50,000 to get started in life. What I'm saying to you about this series is this. I've lived this. I've put my family on the line for God's Word. I have tried, not always successfully, to stay straight in the crooked world that I live in. And I can tell you this, it's paid off. It's paid off. It took 14 years, but it paid off. God kept His Word. God always keeps His Word. You see, the problem is that often we give up just before the blessing. One verse I used to go over all the time was, Do not grow weary of doing good, for in due season you'll reap if you don't give up. You may be tempted to give up in your morality. You know why? Because most people realize that if you don't do it before you're married, nobody wants you. You're just not going to get married. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't give in. Most people tell you, you won't get ahead unless you bend the rules. Don't do it. You may get ahead in society. You'll never get ahead with God. And the person you really want to get ahead with is God. Because He will exalt you. He will watch over your life. He will bless you. Yeah, you may take flack along the way. I took flack. I'm not the most popular person in my wife's family. And I really don't care. 
I really don't care if I'm the most popular person in the world. What I care about is my Savior. Am I popular with Him? Am I obeying Him because I love Him? And I want to do what's right. I want to do what's right. And I can promise you this. God will take care of you. God will look out for you. He will guard your path. He'll put you on secure footing. And you may start out slow and things may not come together as quickly as you thought they might. I can't promise you the time frame and I'm not promising you the time frame. I'm just promising you that in the end, whenever that is, it may be a year, it may be four months, it may be a day. It all depends on what area we're obeying. God will keep His word to you. And I want to encourage you this morning. It's worth it to stay straight. It's worth it to stand up for what is right, to do what is right, to be what is right, to live what is right. And on this little verse I've taught my children in Proverbs, I would have you learn this great fact, that the wisest life of all is the life of doing right. You want to have joy? You want to have prosperity? You want to have wisdom? You want to have a long, satisfying life? The Bible says, do what's right. If you want to enjoy life, and see good days, do what is right. I want to invite you back next week for Easter. I want to remind you that we will not be having a Friday night service, but two Sunday services. And we're going to have an Easter celebration for the first half of our time, and then I'm going to start a series on parenting. If you're a parent out there, you know that it's difficult to survive. I talk to a lot of parents that are struggling. They wonder, hey, am I going to make it? You wonder. I, I talk to so many parents that tell me, I cannot wait till summer's over. I can get them out of my hair. That's how most people think about kids. And most people, it's hard. Parenting is the most challenging, stressful thing that I believe we go through in life. So I want to encourage you to come back for the series and we'll learn some secrets on how to make it through our parenting experience and not just make it, but even learn maybe to enjoy it. Let's bow our heads and pray.